Hi everyone, good morning. Thank you for joining us today. This week we had the honor to hear from Mr. Josh Baldwin. Mr. Baldwin is a junior high science and Bible teacher here at CBCS. His message this morning is called Creation and the Wolf. Thank you for listening. Hope you enjoy. This uh, October, this week or this month, um, the theme that we will be going over is showing love at all times. So there's so many different ways I could have took this, and I didn't know really where to begin because it's such a big idea. But I thought, you know what, Bible teacher, let's just go ahead and let's take it from the beginning. So, um, so this is a painting showing the creation of the world. And we talked about earlier in Bible class this past week, or last week before retreat, how the world was just this formless chaos. And God... Um, I went in there like a messy garage and started organizing things and separating things and, and cleaning it up and making it habitable and making it wonderful. So um, here we have just like the mixture of light and dark just kind of swirling together, the waters all around, just kind of, um, this, there's no organization yet. So God shows up and God starts going to work. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God I was so stoked. And like, we don't know much about what happened before the beginning. Like, what, who was God talking to? What's happening? But there's so many cool things in this story. And, but there's this, regardless of the details and the rabbit trails we can go down, there's this reoccurring pattern, this reoccurring theme that takes place in, the, in Genesis 1, the creation story, where we see that God shows up. God does something. And God's like, this is good. And then evening, morning, the next day. Day two, God shows up. God does some stuff. And he's like, all right. Day three, God shows up. God does stuff. This is good. So like we have this, this rhythm of God showing up, God getting to work, God being stoked with what he's doing. And God is like, he's like, this is good. Like, Who is he talking to? Like, and so, like, there's a word in the Bible, Elohim, which means God. But the cool thing about Elohim is that it is a plural. So it's not a singular. So we talked about language a little bit in Bible and how when we have nouns in the English language, we have singular and plural. But in the Hebrew language, they have singular, dual, and plural. Um, so, like, Elohim in this um, Genesis 1 is a plural, which is a crazy idea. So it's God like, so like I envision a Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Godhead Trinity, like watching this and letting this take place. They're just stoked on what's happening. So there's this amazing community that's taking place between Father, Son, Holy Spirit, all living together. And that the creation event is just an overflow of the community and the love that they have within them. In the same way that the poet is so moved by his lover or her lover that the poet cannot help but want to write a beautiful sonnet to, to, to talk about that love. Or the painter um, is so moved by the beauty of something that he or she, she uh, sees that they can't help but want to paint. Um, 
One of my good friends, Jesse, um, which is a, a relative of Ryan, um, I, Mr. Klostra, um, I remember one time we were on the beach while we were camping, and we were praying, and he's an arty guy. He's weird, but he's awesome. And we were praying, and we were so stoked about, like, the moon and the clouds. They were, like, on the beach. We were jumping up and down, uh, praising God, like, in the middle of the camp. Like, it was, like, like 2 o'clock in the morning, and we are just, like, jumping up and down, singing to God, just amping on just the beauty that we see. And he starts running around and starts painting something in the sand because his spirit is so moved by, like, the joy that he has. And it was awesome. So here, in the same way, the, the Trinity, God, is creating and we are the remnants of that creation. Like God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit creating the universe that we know. And God is saying, this is good. Next day, God shows up, gets to work. This is good. And so God is perpetually stoked with what he's doing. And God is proud with what he's doing. And so we move on. So that's Genesis 1. So you guys see, I, I highlighted all the, this is good, this is good, this was good, it was good. And then when he comes up to make humans, God said, let us make mankind in our image. So there's that plural again. Let us make mankind in our image. And so we have a communal God creating humans and part of what it means to be image bearers of God is that we were designed to be in community. We were designed to be in close and intimate connection um, with, with God, with ourselves, with others. So here, graphically organizing. So we have Adam, and he's in perfect communion with God, with nature, and with others. And so in Genesis 2, we have God and, um, God and Eve hanging out together in the garden. And they were, but it wasn't like in the sexual sense. It was just naked because they were safe. They saw each other's vulnerabilities, and they were safe. And it was okay. And it was beautiful. And then sin entered the world. And when sin entered the world, everything that was supposed to be harmonious and beautiful was shattered. And they no longer felt safe around each other. They could no longer be in front of each other. They needed to protect themselves from each other. And sometimes as a teacher, you see that. I remember when I was teaching earth science years ago, and uh, New Heart, I remember the first day of school, the sixth graders just come into class. First day of school, they got their backpacks, they got their trappers, and the school was playing music beforehand. And they're all just dancing to music, having a good time. You know, then the bell rings, we do the pledge. But like, as the days be began to keep going and going and going, as we progressed through the school years, through the school year, the kids that were, that stood up and were just dancing to the music, started to dwindle one by one by one. So there was this period of time now, after a month of school, where everyone was just kind of standing because they were so scared of being judged by somebody else that they did nothing, and they were just frozen. Was, they weren't reacting. They weren't living in the moment but they were scared. 
They were vulnerable. And they didn't want to be judged by anybody. So and so often, our words and our actions can make people feel unsafe. So, I love my boy Bronson. He is my firstborn. He is a unique child. He is, like, he reminds me of, he has an amazing relationship with nature. It's insane. Like, um, so the picture on the left was probably the, it was the day, later in the day, when Bronson and my father-in-law were walking on the beach, and he was just walking, and my father-in-law, Pat, looked behind, and he saw Bronson holding a fish. And, and my father was like, Bronson, what are you doing? He's like, well, I was thinking about a fish, and the sea brought one to me. And like, it was like this like, little sardine squirming in his hands. It's like, like, we were like, what? Um, so like, they, they put the fish back in the water. It swims away, you know. Um, and then like, so just stories like this seem to happen over and over and over again. Like Bronson has this l- lovely relationship with nature, um, we did the caterpillars in the cup before, you know, where the catap- you raise the caterpillars up in the growth media, becomes a butterfly, and then you watch them hatch, and then you set them free. Well, we set them free, and then they flew back and landed on Bronson. Like, and I kid you that, I kid you not, like, later that day, because this was during COVID, so the golf course was closed, um, the, the, the following day, um, for about two or three days in a row, when Bronson was walking in the golf course, he was being chased by butterflies. It was so, it was, it was like, he's like a Disney prince. Like he was running and the butterflies were just like, were like chasing after him. And he was laughing and giggling. They were like landing in his hair, you know, and he was just running and like they were playing chase and it was awesome. Like he's like the, um, the private selection or, or, or the Rouse brand version of a guy named St. Francis. All right, so he's like the generic version of St. Francis. So St. Francis is, was this incredible guy that was uh, around in the 1200s, and he loved nature so much. So he was born an aristocrat, and then he lived a life partying and having a good time, but he felt empty. And one night in a dream, God came to St. Francis, and that completely changed everything about him. And so St. Francis became so in love with God that he began to see God everywhere. And so... In the same way that God gave his divinity to humans, St. Francis, in a way, gave his humanity to nature. So he began to see the beauty of nature. So he would refer to the sun as brother sun. He would refer to the moon as uh, sister moon. He would make references to the wind as um, sister wind. He would preach to the, uh, he would preach to the birds, and, and the legend says that the birds would listen. And he would, like, he would preach the gospel to the fishes, and the fish would gather around him. Like, there's all these, like, like um, sweet myths of St. Francis and his love for nature. And he's so in love with God that he could not help but tell anybody or anything about God. Well, there's a story about St. Francis approaching a town called the town of, uh, village of Gubbio. And the village of Gubbio was terrorized by a wolf. And the wolf began to eat the sheep, ate the chickens. And when St. Francis entered the town, he saw that there was no one around. It was a, a, um, 
it was a port town, and it should have been bustling with activities, but there was nobody. So St. Francis was like, what's going on here? And come to find out, the wolf killed a farmer. The wolf killed a knight that was sent to dispatch the wolf. And so the whole town was like, we got to do something about this wolf. And St. Francis was like, please, let me talk to him. So the story goes is that St. Francis walks out into the woods, no sword, just a Bible and a lantern, and he, and he finds the wolf, and he talks to the wolf. He's like, Brother Wolf, I'm not here to hurt you. I love you. And the legend goes that St. Francis had brokered a peace deal between the wolf and the town, and it said that the wolf could not resist his gentle understanding. And then as he talked with the wolf, he realized that the wolf was an orphan and that he, his pack left him. So all he could do was eat the chickens and survive off the chickens. And, and then as he got bigger, he needed more food, so he ate some sheep on occasion. And then one time a farmer came after him to try to kill him, so he defended himself and killed the farmer. So as St. Francis sat down with the wolf, the monster became human. And he said, Brother Wolf, let's go back to the town. And the, and the wolf lived in the town for many years afterwards until it died of old age. And then they buried the wolf. And legend has it that in Gubbio, the, um, the cathedral was built upon the tomb of the wolf. So, Genesis 1 gives us a story. Genesis 1 and 2 gives us a story about God creating humanity for a purpose, for a reason, for a reality that we are not currently living in. But that truth is buried in our hearts. So when we see something, we're like, this is true, this is good. Or when we read, listen to the news and you, and you see what's happening in the world, it breaks our hearts because we know that this isn't the way things were meant to be. The word nostalgia comes from, uh, is a compound word from two Greek uh, roots, nostos and algos. And nostalgia together means the pain of returning home or the longing to go home. And God put in our hearts the reality of what things could be and how things can be. And so we're caught in this tension with living in the world as it is, where we have to protect ourselves. Because people often use their words and their actions as arrows. Raise your hand if you've ever been into an argument before. All right, all right, deeper question. Raise your hand if you've ever been in an argument, and midway through the argument, you realize you were wrong, but you kept going. That's all right. That's called marriage, all right? So, but so often we use our words to, to hurt and to harm. I remember early on when Aaron and I, my wife, 
we were married. We got into arguments all the time. I was a firstborn of a firstborn. She was a firstborn of a firstborn. Like, two firstborns getting together. It's like, you know, like when, like, an immovable mountain and an unstoppable object, like, collide. Like, that's what happens. All right? So we were both used to always being right. So we got some counseling, and one of the things the counselor said is that when you guys get into an argument, hold each other's hands while you argue. And I can't imagine, like, if our, if our curtains were open, that would look psycho. Like, like, here we are holding each other's hands, like, arguing with each other. But there's this tendency that when you fight with somebody or when you're mad at somebody, you just want to put distance between you and them. Like, get away. But when you hold them close and when you argue with them, it changes your demeanor. And so here we are. We worship a God that used his words and his actions to build the entire universe as we see it. And we, I believe, part of the image of God means that we have the ability to use our words to create. We can use our words to bring life and healing to others. In the same way that St. Francis approached the wolf, and the wolf was moved, could not resist his gentle understanding. That's a story not only about the wolf, but about the townspeople. Because the townspeople, too, needed to be healed. And that reconciliation between the wolf and the town was the miracle. So I just want to encourage you guys that you guys can show your love and in many different ways. But I think one of the biggest ways that we can show our love to everybody is how we use our words to build life and to care and to love and not just to destroy. And that's one of the big things that Ron, this over-retreat was talking about, was the power of welcome. Is that you, each and every one of you, have the power to welcome somebody. Sure, there's going to be a risk. You, get, you may get rejected, but you have the power to welcome somebody. And with your words, you can leave a trail of wholeness and healing. Or we can use our words to tear down and to destroy. But as Christians, I believe it is our job to use our words to love and to care, even when it's not easy, even if it's the wolf. And we all have our wolves in our lives. And the thing that really, like, tears me up is the thought that I'm probably somebody's wolf. And I need that forgiveness and that gentle understanding, too. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this day. Lord, we love you. And help us to navigate the stormy waters of middle school and adulthood. And I pray that we may be mindful with the way that we use our language and our words. And I pray that when people encounter us, they don't only encounter us, but they encounter you inhabiting our words and our language and our actions. Use us as vehicles to bring your kingdom ever truer 
and fuller ways. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Give Mr. Baldwin a big round of applause. <clears throat> I have never heard that story, Mr. Baldwin. That was fantastic. This episode has been a production of the Capistrano Valley Christian Schools Podcast Network. Capistrano Valley Christian Schools is a Christian JK-12 school in San Juan Capistrano, California. Be sure to check out, subscribe to, and leave a review of this show and the other shows on our network on your podcast player of choice. Doing so supports the school community in a multitude of ways. For more information about the CVCS Podcast Network or any of our other shows, check out cvcs.org or email podcasts at cvcs.org. On behalf of the whole network, this is Mr. Jasper saying thank you again for listening and stay tuned for more.